Our prayer is that you will be filled with the knowledge of His will, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power. Hello everyone, and welcome again to Strength of Strength Sisters. I am Jamila Kurtz, and I am joining you from Kenya, and I'm so glad you're all joining us today as we welcome Don Nault to share with us today from Greece. What an honor to be able to have Don with us um, from Greece. And her topic today is going to be on intentional rest, living in belovedness. You know, many of us find ourselves busy and exhausted. And so I'm looking forward today to hear what God has laid on Don's heart, how we can minister to those around us out of fullness rather than scarcity. I'm also privileged to be able to say that I have that Dawn is a very good friend of mine, and I've learned so much from her. So looking forward to continue that blessing today. A few notes before we begin. This call will be recorded and posted after today, but your face will not be recorded unless you are speaking. After Dawn is finished speaking, we're looking forward to hearing from you all. If you have any thoughts or questions, uh, we're going to have a session of Q&A. And you can submit your questions through the chat, or you can feel free to ask them yourself. So before we continue any further, Dawn, I'd like to just pray a prayer of blessing over you as you begin this talk. So let's all just pray together for a few minutes. God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity. And Lord, you know that we've had a few difficulties with the tech, but God, we are calm and we are just waiting and trusting you. And, Lord, we are seeking to hear from you today, Lord, from your word. And so, Lord, I ask a special blessing on Dawn that you can give her calmness of spirit, Lord, and clarity in her mind, Lord, and also just a clarity as she articulates, Lord, what you've laid on her heart. Lord, I'm I'm excited and I'm thankful, Lord, we can be your daughters. And, Lord, that we have this opportunity that we can all be together like this. So, God, we just want to worship you in this hour. We just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Don, may God's spirit descend on you. You can go ahead and start. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jamila, for that introduction. I am really excited to share on this topic today of intentional rest, living in belovedness. It's something I care deeply about, and although I certainly have not arrived and I'm constantly being challenged to return to rest, it's something that I care deeply about and um, like to talk to others or share this um, topic with other people as well. So thank you for joining us today. We just, uh, our family was just in the States um, about a month ago. We were there for six weeks traveling, nonstop going and doing which was all good, although not sustainable. And so now that we're back home in Greece, I'm trying to find new rhythms and um, healthy a healthy rhythm again, I should say, with finding this intentional or being intentional about rest. So a little bit my heart behind the topic. Um, for many years, I was a yes person, capable, um, able to do a lot of things, so people asked me to do a lot of things, and they were good things, but I said yes to almost everything, not quite. And I found myself, like especially like after church on Sunday, 
somebody would, you know, say, how are you doing? Or how's your week been? I would, my response almost a hundred percent of the time was busy. And all of a sudden I started hearing myself and I was saying, I'm busy, I'm busy. It was kind of a wake up call for me that something needed to change. And there were multiple things that led to this journey of intentional rest, but that was one of the beginnings. Plus there was a deep longing in my heart and my soul for rest and to be giving, like Jamila said, out of a place of abundance and not out of a place of like scarcity and, and overwhelmness. And that's sort of where this journey began in my heart behind the topic um, that we'll be talking about tonight. For me, I guess it's in the afternoon for most of you. So in speaking about intentional rest today, I'm not just talking about physical rest, although it includes that as well. But most importantly, I'm talking about soul rest. And a description of the soul is the very center of our being that is known by God. It is the core of who you are, made up of inner thoughts, feelings, and longings. Let me read that to you again. Our soul is the very center of our being that is known by God. It is the core of who you are made up of inner thoughts, feelings, and longings. So the first part of this, um, I want to sort of unpack and talk about soul rest and what that looks like and how we can get it. Parker Palmer gave a description of the soul. I was actually driving down the road one time several years ago in Pennsylvania and um, listening to a podcast, I believe, and the speaker shared this quote by Parker Palmer And I pulled over to the side of the road and wrote it down because I thought it was just such a unique description. But this is what he said. Listen to this. He says, the soul is like a wild animal. Now, he's not talking like vicious or um, that kind of wild, but rather like a deer. Um, So he says, the soul is like a wild animal, tough, resilient, resourceful, savvy, and self-sufficient. It knows how to survive in hard places, but it's also shy. Just like a wild animal or like a deer in the forest, it seeks safety in the dense underbrush. If we want to see a wild animal, we know that the last thing we should do is go crashing through the woods yelling for it to come out. But if we will walk quietly into the woods, sit patiently by the base of the tree, and fade into our surroundings, The wild animal we want to see might put in an appearance. I love that description. I just thought, what a a unique picture of our soul. It's inside of us. It's the very center of our being. But maybe it's not something that we see very much of because the rest of our life is too busy and we're crashing around. So today I want to talk about rest at a soul level resting in the belovedness of the Father, and then living out of that place of rest. When Jamila asked me to speak about this topic, she said you can incorporate, like, maybe avoiding burnout and that kind of thing, too. But as I studied this, I thought, you know, I don't think we need to even talk about burnout, because if we have a rhythm of real, true rest in our life, I don't believe we will burn out. So... This is my avoid burnout um, speech. Anyway, so we've talked about the soul. Um, I would like to define rest 
since we're talking about intentional rest. Another word for rest is actually Sabbath, and Sabbath means ceasing. So we all know the rhythm of work and rest was built into the fabric of creation by God at the very beginning. So why are we so busy, exhausted, and never stop? Do we somehow imagine that God is pleased by our exhaustion or that the busier we are, the more faithful servants we are? What if we're faithful only when our service is rooted in deep soul rest? Let me ask you that question again. What if we're faithful only when our service is rooted in deep soul rest? Our Western culture, and I believe in our Anabaptist culture, devalues non-productive times of being. We're applauded when we do, when we work hard. We're comfortable with noise and busy and conversation. We are comfortable when we're teaching, preaching. We have study groups, cell groups, Sunday school groups. But we're not so good with silence. How many of you are like really comfortable when you're sitting with people and it's just silent for a space of time? We're not really good with silence. But in order to rest physically and spiritually, we need to get quiet. Uh, Lynn, uh, no, not Lynn, um, Erica Lane, she said this quote about rest and she says, rest is not idle. It is not wasteful. Sometimes rest is the most productive thing you can do for your body and soul. And I really believe that. I was speaking on this topic a number of years ago, and one of the women in the group during our discussion time, she said, yeah, she said, I don't feel like I have permission to rest at all. And she said, if I sit down in the afternoon and pick up a book or I'm just resting and somebody would come to the door, she said, I feel like I would have to jump up and make myself busy quickly to look like I'm busy. And I was like, that is not okay if we don't have permission to rest. We need to rest. And like Erica Lane says, it's not idleness. It's not wasteful. Sometimes it's the most productive thing we can do. Ruth Haley Barton is a woman who has written quite extensively on the topic of um, rest and Sabbath. I can give you some book recommendations at the end if you're interested, but she gave the description of our busy souls being like a jar of river water that's constantly being shaken. So I went and got, I actually got water from the Aegean Sea, but it was too clear. <laughs> um, so this is my water from the sink. So I have rocks though, and sand and seagrass from the Aegean Sea in here. So I'm just going to shake this up. This is what she says our soul is like when we're busy. You can't see what's in it. It's a murky muddy mess. So I'm just going to leave this sit here while we finish our discussion today and we'll take a look at it at the end. So there's many places in scripture and especially in Psalms where we're told to be silent. We're talking about rest, to sit still, to know God in the silence. And he invites us to this. He doesn't force us. You know, if you get an invitation from a friend to spend time together it's because your friend actually wants to be with you and wants to see you. And I love that word picture that the Father invites us. God invites us to be with him and to sit with him. 
He wants to be with us. And he's waiting just outside the noise and busyness of our lives, inviting us to rest in the quiet, replenishing depths of his presence. I'd like to read um, some scriptures to you. Listen to the Father's invitation to come and rest. You may want to close your eyes as I read these and just let the words wash over your soul as I read. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Are you tired, worn out, burned out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced forced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I will lead you beside quiet waters. I will restore your soul. For I satisfy the thirsty and fill the hungry with good things. Be still and know that I am God. Listening to these scriptures always makes me take a deep breath and I can just feel like the pressure ease away at his invitation to come and rest. We all need to stop, to get really quiet, to declutter our souls by clearing away all the props, all the noise, and all the distractions, to stop doing and just be in God's presence. We are, after all, human beings and not human doings. Lynn Babb, who has also written a book called Sabbath Keeping that I really um, enjoyed, she says, only in stopping, really stopping, do we teach our hearts and souls that we are loved apart from what we do. Did you catch that? Only in stopping, do we teach our hearts and souls that we are loved apart from what we do. You know, as long as we're working hard and busy all the time, doing good things and about the Lord's work even, we are in danger of believing that our actions are what's triggering God's love for us. So I'd like to sort of move into talking about the belovedness, living in the belovedness. What makes you accepted and beloved by the Father? If somebody would ask you, how do you know? What makes you accepted and beloved? What would you say to them? It's not what you do. I'm sure you know that. It's who you are. But do you know that you can't do anything to make God love you more than he does right now? When I first kind of, I don't know, I had that aha, aha moment with this, I was like, really? I mean, 
surely if I, you know, spend more time with him, right, if I, you know, do great things for him, you know, he'll love me more. But no, we can't do anything to make God love us more than he does right now because we are accepted and beloved and we're his. Here's a question for you to think about. When do you feel the most accepted and loved by God? Is it when you're accomplishing things? Is it when you're, you know, in a good rhythm of spending, you know, regular time with him? Um, is it when you're laid up on the couch and not getting anything done? When do you feel the most accepted and loved by God? I want to um, share a concept that has revolutionized my relationship with God and has been the key, I believe, to being able to truly rest. It was interesting. Um, this summer when I was with my mom, we were talking and she said, you know, in the past number of years, she just noticed that I've become very calm in spirit. And she said, I want to be like you, which is a, a big compliment coming from your mom. But um, I was thinking about that and I thought, as we were talking a little more, I realized that that change, because I wasn't always um, at a place really of rest in my spirit, but I realized that change happened when I started really grasping this concept that I want to share with you. So I'm going to see if I can share my screen with you. over. Okay. Can you see that? Hopefully you can. So this um, is called the cycle of grace, and this is not new. I was not the one that came up with it. Um, but when I, when this was shared with me, probably, I don't know, five years ago or more, more than that, maybe 10, like I said, it revolutionized um, how I, my relationship with God. So um, on my left, I think that's probably your left as well. It's called the cycle of grace. And it starts, first of all, um, at number one, but it starts, this is speaking about us as believers. So if you're not a believer, this wouldn't apply to you. But as a believer, um, the first part of the cycle is acceptance. And that's the place of being accepted, beloved, fully known, and valued by God. And it's because we're his daughters. It's because we're his children. And he loves us. Um, just like if you're a parent, you love your children unconditionally. You don't always love everything they do, but you love them, and it's because they're yours. And so that's where we begin, where we need to be rooted and grounded is that acceptance of the Father. Then as you're living in acceptance of him, you move down into the second part, which is the sustenance. And that's like your um, your time spent with him. It's, it's where you're being sustained by the Father. It could be, you know, whatever it is, your quiet time, your relationship with the Father. That's the sustenance part. And then as you're being, you're, you're, you know, you're accepted, beloved, you're being sustained by him. And then you realize number three, that there's significance. You have a calling. He's calling you to do something. And so you move into that calling. And from there, number four is fruitfulness or works. There's 
good works and fruit that flows out of your life. But it's all rooted and grounded in that acceptance. So to see how this works, let's look on the other side, the cycle of frustration or the cycle of works. And this is where I lived for many years. Um, and I think all of us have probably, if we've grown up in, um, yeah, depending on the circle we've grown up in, we might have been in a more works-based, um, I don't know, society is not the right word, but whatever, in a more works-based um, group. And so we may have found ourselves in the cycle of frustration, which starts at fruitfulness. So it's like, you know, you want to have good fruit. You want to be able to, um, yeah, be fruitful for, for God. And so you, you try really hard to, to be a good Christian and to, um, do all the wonderful things that Christians do and be. And as your fruit is, you know, coming, flowing, you realize, wow, I have a calling. And, you know, there's, you know, I think I've found some, my calling or significance and moving on into the sustenance realizing I really need the Lord to be able to produce this fruit. But the last part is what's the the missing link in the cycle of frustration because you never really get to number four and that's the acceptance. It's like, am I am I working hard enough? Am I doing enough? Have I spent enough time with him today? Does he really accept me and love me? Am I accepted? And loved, I don't know, maybe I need to work a little harder and do more for him and then I'll be accepted. And it becomes this vicious cycle of frustration versus the cycle of grace where you can rest in his acceptance and everything else flows out of that. This was, I know it's simple, but this was life changing for me and, um, has helped me to learn how to live in a place of rest in my spirit and soul. Another way on the bottom half of the the page there is to think of it like a tree. So the roots are the acceptance stage of the cycle. The roots are where you're grounded and rooted in Christ and um, in knowing that you are valued and loved and accepted. And that's where you stay. That's you down there. And then a tree starts forming as the sun and rain, you know, fall on the tree, which you could use, um, compare it to the sustenance. A tree starts forming and eventually it gets bigger and forms branches and leaves, which would be the significance stage of the cycle. And then eventually fruit starts forming on the tree, but you haven't done anything. The tree doesn't do anything to make that fruit appear. The roots just stay grounded and the tree grows and the fruit appears. So that's the cycle of grace. And maybe that's helpful for some of you all to um, think about that. I'm going to stop sharing here. See if I can go back. Okay. So who are you when you aren't doing anything significant for God? Who are you when you've just made a mistake or failed? Do you know who you are? You are still beloved 
accepted, valued. You are loved by the Father. His love is not conditional when we are in him. We find our sustenance living out of this place of belovedness. You know, we are sustained by prayer and spending time with God, time in his word, solitude, whatever it is. Those are all parts of our walk with him. But none of these things are done to earn his acceptance. Rather, it's just, you know, how our faith grows and how we grow. Um, in Mark, Jesus, Mark 1, is the story of Jesus' baptism. And after he came out of the water, everyone heard this voice from heaven say, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And if you think about it, this was before Jesus had started his ministry. He had done zero miracles, no healings, no formal ministry, but yet he was deeply loved by his father. And I love the thought that when I am in Christ, how God views Jesus is exactly how he views me. So when I am in Christ, I am the beloved of the Father. That's such an amazing thought. But, you know, there's a lot of voices that say we are not good enough, we're not doing enough, and therefore we aren't accepted by God. Our culture around us says that our value is based on our performance, and then if we listen to that, then we're back into that cycle of works and frustration again. So let's live in that cycle of grace and be rooted and grounded in his love and acceptance of us. Um, God says in Isaiah, who we are, this is your identity. Listen to um, these words from Isaiah 43, verses 1, 2, 4, and 5. This is what God says about who you are. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. You are precious and honored in my sight, and I love you. In Jeremiah 31.3, he says, I love you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And in Zephaniah 3.17, I don't know why this verse still just like startles me every time I read it, but it says the Lord rejoices over you with singing. Think about the Lord like, I don't know, I imagine him standing. It says he rejoices over you, so kind of standing above me, singing to me. And it's just an incredible thought that that's how much the Lord loves us and how much he personally um, cares about each one of us. As a daughter of the king, you are deeply loved by God, completely forgiven, fully pleasing, totally accepted and complete in him. Amazing. So I wanted us to realize the importance of resting and ceasing from doing, but I also wanted to let God's acceptance settle down deep in our souls before we talk about practical ways to rest at a soul level. Because I believe that until you can rest in the Father's belovedness, you're not going to find true rest, even if you practice these things that I want to give you now. My prayer is that each one of you, if you aren't there, will find that complete rest in him. 
But let's talk about some intentional ways of resting now. There's three ways that I would like to talk about that I have found bring rest to my busy soul. They are solitude, Sabbath, and prayer. So let's talk about solitude first and silence. Solitude is an opportunity to break away from the cycle of noise and busyness so we can hear our soul's longing or like Parker Palmer said, so our soul can come out of the trees. The solitude isn't an end in itself and it's not a spa for our emotions. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there right now about soul care on a, on a, like a, a selfish level. That's not what we're talking about today. This is talking about rest for our souls. And solitude um, is a way to create time and space in our life that we can sit with our questions, we can wait on God to hear what he wants to say to us and do what's needed in our soul. To sit in silence and wait to hear the still small voice of the Father. And I believe that we need solitude as a rhythm in our life to keep our soul at rest. Maybe some of us get more solitude than others. I'm sure if you're an empty nester, maybe you get a lot of solitude. Some of us who are moms and are always um, surrounded by people and children do not get solitude very often unless we're very intentional about it. Um, if you're single and you may have more time now to have spaces of solitude or your life may be very busy with serving others or your work. So I believe, though, it is a rhythm that we need to keep our soul at rest. Some of us may just need to work harder at finding it than others. Um, I'd like to look at two um, men in scripture who sought out solitude. The first example is um, of Elijah. In 1 Kings 19, I'll just kind of tell you the story. So the story takes place right after the great victory on Mount Carmel when the fire came down from heaven, consumed everything, and all the prophets of Baal were killed. And then Jezebel was the wicked queen came and or sent a message to Elijah saying that he's going to be killed. And that he was like afraid. So he went a day's journey into the wilderness, um, which is seeking solitude. And there he sat under a broom tree, and Scripture says he prayed that God would take his life. He was basically in despair and went to sleep. And an angel came and touched him and woke him up and showed him food that he had prepared. So Elijah ate, went back to sleep. Again, the angel woke him, gave him more food, and told him, you're going to need it because the journey ahead of you is too great. So he actually was strengthened by that food for 40 days and nights as he traveled deep into the land of Horeb to Mount Sinai. And there Elijah came to a cave and and spent the night. And while he was in that cave, the Lord came to him. And the Lord said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And I just, I don't know, I just picture, you know, Elijah's gone 40 days and nights. He has gone like really far into the desert seeking solitude. Maybe he was a because he was afraid of his for his life, he was trying to get away. But the Lord asked him, Elijah, what are you doing here? And so he explained to God that he had served God and the people of Israel hadn't and he and killed all the prophets and he's the only one left. And anyway, God said, Okay, stand on the mountain and the presence of the Lord is going to pass by. So I'm sure we're all very familiar with this story, but a powerful wind 
tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then an earthquake came, and scripture says the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After that came silence and a still small voice, a gentle whisper, and it was the voice of the Lord. And that's when God spoke to Elijah and told him what to do next. So there's a lot of things I'm sure we could learn from this story, but the two things that I want us to see are that um, are the solitude and the silence. So Elijah was pretty desperate for solitude, traveling 40 days and nights out in the wilderness. Have you ever felt that desperation? I know I have. Sometimes I'm like, I need to get by myself. I just need solitude. Like I said, different stages of life we're in, we may feel that need more sometimes than others. But his desperation tells me that it's okay and it's important to find solitude and seek it out. We may need to take extreme measures to find a season of solitude from time to time, and that's okay. The second thing I see in this story um, is that God speaks when things get quiet. And I, I really believe we need to unplug and withdraw from all the noisy, peopled places, technology um, in our lives from time to time to hear God speak. It could be a day, it could be an hour, it could be a few moments of silence, but I believe we need silence to hear him. Emptying our souls is, this is not, this is a quote, and I didn't write it down who it came from, so I'm not sure who it is, but they said, emptying our souls is a prerequisite for being filled. So it's like the the jar of the water. With, you, you have to get like, this isn't empty, but still, um, in order for the presence of God to be able to, you know, for God to speak. And emptying our souls is a prerequisite. If it's already full and busy, you know, how's God going to be able to speak to you or be there? But um, the presence of God is poured out most generously when there's an empty space to receive him. When our soul is empty, not empty of, you know, the good, the who we are empty, but empty of all the distractions, and there's finally space for God. It's an emptiness that's full of expectant alertness. There's a lot of scriptures actually that speak about waiting on the Lord expectantly, being silent in his presence. And when that emptiness is filled, then we're ready to give out to our friends and family from, you know, the place of fullness and abundance. The other man in scripture who sought out solitude is Jesus. In Luke um, 4, he was spending a busy day in Capernaum teaching in the synagogue. He had healed Simon's mother-in-law and many sick and diseased people who came to him that evening. And then scripture says that early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place in a place of solitude. Again, in Luke 5, when vast crowds came to hear Jesus preach and be healed, scripture says again that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. If Jesus needed solitude and silence, how much more do we need it as well? So let's talk about solitude. Um, some practical ways to experience solitude. One way is when you have unexpected time in your day. 
like waiting for a doctor at a like a doctor appointment if you're waiting uh, maybe a delay if you went to pick something up or someone up and they're not ready or yeah some kind of delay where you're just sitting and waiting or maybe an illness if you're not like severely ill um, use those opportunities to turn to God and enjoy that gift of the moment to be with him rather than pick up your phone and scroll like it's so easy to do and everybody else in the waiting room wherever you are is doing it but what an opportunity to just use small moments like that to just practice solitude and enjoy God's presence. Um, another idea to incorporate solitude into your day is just sprinkle throughout the day moments where you stop and take a couple deep breaths and just prayer, pray a prayer of gratitude. There's something about taking deep cleansing breaths actually that like physically does something to your body, brings rest and the, the tension and the pressure eases away. So periodically throughout your day, it doesn't have to be when you're in a moment of stress, just stop, take some deep breaths, and just pray, um, breathe a prayer of gratitude to the Father. Or sitting in silence in God's presence and just being. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Um, we were at a training one time, and they said, okay, your next um, assignment, I forget if it was, I think, 30 minutes maybe, or more. It was a long time. Um, they said, we want you to each go away alone. And we want you to sit in God's presence and just be. You're not supposed to expect anything, you know, amazing to happen necessarily or try to make anything happen. We just want you to sit still and be in God's presence. Scripture does say, be still and know that I am God. I don't know if you've done this. If you haven't, um, it's it feels like a long time when you're just sitting there and your mind starts to wonder, um, wander, not wonder, maybe wonder as well, but it can be a challenge. Your inner thoughts and, and yeah, you struggle to like quiet your mind long enough to really give your attention to God. And that's normal because we live in such a busy, fast-paced world that we are not used to sitting in silence. So Try it. See what it's like. If you're sitting there and your mind keeps straying to like the daily duties or your to-do list, don't let that discourage you. Just write them down on a piece of paper, release them to the Lord in prayer, and just keep sitting there with the Lord. And show yourself grace. Um, if it's something that you haven't done before, it may feel awkward or strange and at the beginning. But just sit there and bask in the fact that you are sitting with your father. You're beloved and accepted by him. He knows you. He values you. Not for what you um, do, but who you are. And just sit still and know that I am God. Another, um, this is a bigger way to practice solitude, is to take like a solo retreat or like a day away. And like I said, as a mom, that's really hard to do. And I've only done it a few times in my life. But every time, it has been such an amazing experience. So even if you live a busy life and are a busy mom, if you are able to do this, um, it does take intention. And that's why we're talking about intentional rest. It will never happen if you wait for it to just happen. 
But I'd like to give you some ideas of what you could do on a solo retreat. So if you have a pen and paper, maybe you want to jot them down. But first of all, obviously, find a quiet place alone. Um, one of my best memories of doing this is there was a um, Christian woman in Pennsylvania who had a tea room and she rented her one space out to people to spend time there. So I reserved it for an afternoon and she brought me, it was a beautiful space, just very peaceful and lovely. And she brought tea in at the beginning and then she actually, the, the tea house was closed. So I was, and she left, I was actually there alone all afternoon in the building but it was such a lovely, beautiful time. So find a place that's going to be restful for you. Um, maybe it's not a place like that. Maybe it's going to a lake or a pond or something and just sitting there. Um, but take with you your Bible, a journal, maybe a blanket or a chair to get comfortable. If you're going to be gone for the day, make yourself a special healthy lunch. If you're like me and you like candles, take a candle along, your tea, whatever, you know, whatever you choose to um, spend your day. But get comfortable and just when you get there, again, take deep breaths and just rest in God's presence. Practice your still stillness um, before him. Obviously, prayer is something you'll want to do throughout the day. Um, something that's, especially if you're doing a long retreat day like that, a whole day, it's actually important to take breaks, um, physically to get active, to go on walks or, you know, do stretches or jumping jacks or something because we're body, soul, and spirit and it's all intertwined. So doing something active when you're spending a whole day like that is really, um, important. Maybe take a nap, like the story of Elijah. Sometimes what we need the most is sleep, especially if you're a mom with infants or young children and you're getting up at night or just really exhausted. There is no shame in taking a nap. And, yeah, sometimes that's what we need the most. Another thing to do on a solo retreat like that is to be creative. So I believe God is God is the creator, and he created, of course, the world and all the beauty in it, and He then he created man and woman, and it says that he made us in his image, and I believe that one of the ways we are like him is that he made us to be creative, and he loves to see us create things, but sadly, due to our hurried lives and the busyness that robs us of, you know, sleep and exercise and being intentional. We often don't have times to be creative. So if you take a solo day, use your solitude as a time to create something. If you're artistic, you can paint or draw. Um, if you're a writer, you can write a poem or, you know, write something. If you play an instrument, you could play music. You can handwrite encouraging notes to friends. I like watercoloring cards and then using them to um, write notes to people. Whatever it is, but yeah, be creative and um, enjoy yeah that part of who you are, being like him. Um, of course, reading scripture and spending time in the word on a day like that. Would be very encouraging and 
um, reflecting on what you've read, responding to what God is speaking in your heart. If you write it down, I found, you know, if the Lord's speaking something to me to write it down in my journal, and it's so encouraging to go back later and to see how God spoke and, and what he's saying. So those are some ideas, um, and maybe some of you have more at the end to share about solitude. So the second way um, to find soul rest, to be intentional with rest, is the concept of Sabbath or ceasing. So a real Sabbath is not just ceasing from your work, but it's also ceasing from worry and from trying to accomplish something. So that takes Sabbath to a whole new level because we can all probably just, you know, not do a lot of work in a day. But to cease from worry and accomplishing and, you know, thinking about what you're doing next, that's a whole new level of Sabbath. We probably all take Sunday off from our normal work day, but is it actually a day of ceasing for you? I know for, you know, for me, Sunday isn't necessarily the most restful day of the week, and especially if you're in ministry or doing hospitality, you can actually work really hard, and it's not necessarily, it could be a life-giving day, but not a restful day. So you may need to find a different day for your Sabbath, and it also may be a different day for you than for your husband, especially if you have children. One couple I heard about, um, he takes his Sabbath on Monday, and his wife took her Sabbath on Sunday. They had little children, and that way um, each of them could actually have a true day of rest. When we take Sabbath, it's a time to reflect and to look at your week and see, you know, how God's been at work in your week. And it's also a day of refreshment. So what refreshes you is very different probably than what refreshes maybe even your spouse or your children. So whatever it is that's refreshing for you, whether it's a walk or reading, journaling, going outside in nature. Um, one person I know, she on her Sabbath day, she doesn't cook. So her day isn't a Sunday. It's one of the days of the week. And so she'll make sure that she has done some things ahead the day before so that she doesn't have to cook. And it's amazing when you don't cook how much extra time you have and how rest, for me anyway, how restful that feels. So maybe it's thinking ahead with your meals so you don't have to cook um, on your Sabbath day. Or maybe it's, you know, spending, putting it on your calendar to spend um, some time with friends. Or um, What's rest and ceasing for one person, like I said, may not be the same for another. So only you know what's restful for you. And a whole Sabbath day may look impossible. Um, although I have heard the testimony of someone who said they were, this person was, um, had a job, was working, and basically around the clock they were in ministry and stuff too, so just working all the time. And when they felt like the Lord was asking them to take a real Sabbath, they were like, how am I ever going to get all my stuff done? I am barely getting everything done with the seven days a week that I'm working with ministry and work. Um, but they decided to do it, and they said that they got more done in their six days of work and one day of Sabbath than they did in their seven days of working. So I think God knew what he was doing when he put that rest in place from the very beginning. You know, we, like I said, we're in different seasons. We might not be able to take a whole day, but maybe consider taking a Sabbath hour every day. 
I really like this idea, and this is one of the things that I would like to um, be more intentional about in my own life is to set aside a Sabbath hour. And so this is a time where one friend I know, she said that she makes tea and she sits down with her children and they read poetry together or read something and drink tea and they just rest. And another mom that I know, um, she has her children take their own quiet times and then she uses that hour, whatever her time frame is, to yeah, drink her tea or coffee and have a little pastry or something, just, you know, herself to just sit and rest and read or drink in the silence, whatever it is. So your Sabbath may not be an entire day, but I think it's important to have a rhythm of Sabbath in your life, whether that means it's an hour every day or whether it's a whole day. Um, I think Sabbath is really important, and I think God put it into the first seven days of creation for a good reason. So the third way to um, experience soul rest is through prayer. Prayer isn't just communicating with God. It's also communing with God. Um, I like to begin prayer with sitting in God's presence and, again, lingering on the thought and the fact, the truth, that I am beloved and accepted and known by him. Sometimes I ask myself the question that God asked Elijah. When Remember when, when Elijah was in the cave and God came to him and said, Elijah, I mean, I don't know how he said it, but Elijah, what are you doing here? I like to ask myself that question. When I'm sitting with the sitting there before the Lord or with the Lord to say, Don, what are you doing here? Why are, why are you here? What is your, what is my soul, or you know, talking to myself, what is your soul longing that you're bringing to God? What are you doing here? It's a good question to ask, um, to make you think about what is it that I really am asking God about? Um, sometimes to have questions in front of you can help you know what to pray about. Um, I don't know if it's like this for you, but sometimes I find myself kind of falling into a rhythm or a pattern of kind of praying the same way or for the same things. So sometimes to have questions like, what is the condition of my soul these days? And to sit and think about that and can, that can lead you into prayer. Or where do I hurt? Or where am I celebrating and being filled with joy that can lead you into, you know, prayers of praise and thanksgiving? If you ask the question, where do I hurt, it might lead you into supplication or other kinds of prayer. Another way to come into prayer is to pray the Lord's Prayer phrase by phrase and really just ponder you know, what you're praying, what you're saying to the Lord. Or simply sit in silence and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Sometimes um, I imagine Jesus calling my name and asking me the question that he asked blind Bartimaeus. So um, Bartimaeus was sitting there um, begging, calling out, and Jesus came by and stopped. And he said, Bartimaeus, what would you have me to do for you? So sometimes I imagine Jesus asking me that when I'm sitting there, Don, what would you have me to do? And if you answer that question from the deepest longings of your soul and say, God, what I want most from you right now is, you know, whatever that may be, 
that can lead you into some really meaningful prayer. So my jar here, um, it's not clear because, like I said, I used water from my sink instead of um, the Aegean water, but it's gotten much clearer, and I don't know how well you can see, but I see rocks, I see colors, I see little tiny seagrass floating in there. So that jar sat there, you know, maybe 45 minutes. Um, it's still not clear, so maybe it needs to sit in stillness longer for it to be completely at rest. So it is hard to be intentional with rest, and I think one of Satan's strategies is to keep us busy, distracted, and exhausted. And like I shared at the beginning, it's a journey I'm on, and I keep needing to refocus and be intentional about. But I would love if in the future, instead of when people ask me, and even now, when people ask me, how has your week been, instead of saying busy, I would love to say, I'm resting. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? And people would be like, really? (laughs) How do you find time to do that? But it's not meaning that I'm sitting around on the couch all day. It just means that I'm at a place of rest. Don't be surprised if you try to incorporate intentional rest into your weekly rhythm that you will be met with all kinds of opposition and your plans derailed. That's definitely happened to me. And more than once, I like told my husband, okay, tomorrow I am going to not do the laundry. I'm not going to do any kind of um, going away. I'm just going to use this day as a day of rest. And then something urgent comes up and I feel like I'm not going to be able to do this, but say no to the urgent and make room for the important. Important things and urgent things are two different things. So don't get discouraged or let distractions keep you from being intentional. Live in his belovedness. Be intentional about finding a rhythm of rest. I know it's possible, and not just possible, but I will believe it's necessary necessary to establish rhythms of rest in our life. And when we, what we learn when we're spending that time in rest, in solitude, Sabbath, and prayer, it's not meant to be hoarded but rather to be shared with others as we return to them with a rested soul, and then we're ready to give from a place of fullness and abundance. So thank you. That's what I have for you today. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dawn. And I'll just say, ha, ha, ha. Revealing myself that when you started talking, I wanted to just put my head in my hands and say, I fall so short. I can't believe this. What am I going to do? But, you know, the more you talked, the more my spirit felt at best. And just in and realizing that, you know, sometimes um, finding rest can actually almost feel like something else to do. Mm-hmm. As I heard and what the pieces you put together. I love, love, love how you said, what if we're faithful only when our soul is rooted in deep rest? That Mm -hmm. was beautiful. And just um, what you shared about the acceptance and um, being in our belovedness, I really felt this calm come over my spirit. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited, really excited to um, implement and try some of these things. 
I really would love to hear from everyone else um, what you're thinking about and in our discussion. But I might just ask you one question while um, that I'm thinking about while everyone else is formulating their own thoughts and what they're pro- processing. So I love how you um, solitude. I kind of it seems a little bit like a three-legged stool, and so solitude is one of the um, one of the major legs here. And so I wonder what you would recommend to someone who maybe doesn't love solitude. <laughs> I wonder if you've ever thought about that, or doesn't thrive. Let's say they don't thrive in solitude. Do you think it's possible to find rest? Um, or do you think that, I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to ask you. I do actually. And that's a really good question. And actually I was one of those people who as a teenager, especially I'm an, I'm an extrovert. I think the older I get, the more introverted I move on the scale, but I'm still an extrovert. Um, but if you would have told me like, go spend a day alone I would have been like, that's like punishment or, you know, why would I want to do that? You know, Um, but even like, I think I was probably 19. So that's, that was my personality. But even then, as when I really started seeking God and needing to find him, um, I took a whole day of solitude. It was not my personality at all to do that but I spent an entire day what was helpful for me is somebody had written up um, it was actually um, brother Denny Keniston many years ago he had written up a plan to spend a day in solitude and it was like written out in times so like 30 minutes you know sing take a songbook along and, and you know sing songs and then go on a 10 minute walk and spend 30 minutes in prayer whatever it was so I would say if you're not comfortable or you don't like solitude, probably finding a plan um, like that would be a good way to start. And maybe don't start with an entire day. You know, maybe start with a few hours. But I I really believe everybody needs to practice solitude in silence. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. And I like the way you said how our seasons change. And I find for myself, um, just being a mom, I do value quietness more than I did 20 years ago. But also it's so easy to, um, just to fill our lives with so much. There's, cause there's so many good things. And so I love that comment that you made to say no to the urgent and make room for the important. It can be difficult sometimes to be able to have the discernment to know what is urgent and what is important. But I can see how it's just um, kind of like what you said. Maybe we don't need to talk about burnout if we're proactive and we talk about what true rest is. Yeah. Yeah. So much, so much to think about. But I want to open it up now. If anyone has any questions or comments for Don. One thing I'd like you to be thinking about, Dawn, is you had said that you would give us a list of recommendations for books. I'd also love to hear that from you, just some good reading that you found in this area. But who has a question or a comment they'd like to give?
Could I share one that came in off of the, or is on the chat? It says, I have suggested to my family a day besides Sunday for a Sabbath. As you said, mothers do not get a Sabbath of rest on Sunday. One of my sons said, scripture says, six days shalt thou labor. Will you work on Sunday then? I wonder how you'd answer that. Do you understand that? Um, okay, I'm a little confused. So six days you should labor. Will you work on Sunday? Um, do you understand what the question is? I'm having a bit of a I hard think, time. Sorry, go ahead. I was just say I think maybe, um, I think I understand what they're saying because, you know, I've said the same thing too, that uh, for us, our Sundays, they're, they're days full of worship. They're full of celebration with others, but they're really not days full of rest. Mm -hmm. And so I think what the question is saying, so let's say you decide that Monday is your Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. So then how do you look at Sunday then? I think that's what the question is saying. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right too. And I mean, there you go. Just like you said, um, you are laboring. I labor on Sunday when I'm making a meal and I'm hosting people and, you know, so it's not working in the field labor, but it still is definitely physical, you know, labor, um, emotional. <laughs> so, yeah, I think six days, uh, if Sunday is not a restful day for you, it's just laboring in maybe a little different way, but you still are laboring six days a week for sure. I don't know if that answers the question. I think that's really good input. Um, Linda, do you want to read the other comment that just came in on the chat? Sorry, forgot to unmute here. Um, Helena Martin says, thank you much. I needed this. It was so refreshing. And then um, another one shared, I love the one-hour Sabbath idea. Thank you, Dawn. I wonder how feasible that is for me. I'll have to give it a try. And the answer to the Sabbath question said, thank you for the answer. Makes sense. Okay. Is that is that what you had in mind, Jamila? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Okay. And I really like that, too. You know, I've always called it quiet time since my children were little or, you know, taking a nap. But I thought, wow, that'd be really intentional if I just say this is my Sabbath in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I like to just kind of. Um, take that quiet time with my children too. And so I really, I do really like that just to, to call that, that, you know, our afternoon, our one hour Sabbath. If you take a, an hour a day, I mean, there's seven days in the week. So that's seven hours, which is like basically a work day. So you'll get your, you'll get your one day a week rest in. Um, I don't think the Lord meant it to be like counting the hours and minutes. It's a principle. Right. of Sabbath and not, yeah, not a, a check off. Did I get enough hours in kind of thing? One question I did have, Don, just thinking about, you know, we talk about our Sundays, especially those of us who are in ministry. Um, 
I hesitate to use that word because I think we're all in ministry, but mm-hmm. I think you know what I mean. Those of mm-hmm. us who do um, have places that we fill, do you have any suggestions that you've learned as you found this new rhythm with moving to Greece and um, maybe having Sundays that are a little busier? Do you have a way that even in the busyness of that Sunday that you can kind of keep that rest in your soul? Um, I would say that my soul has learned to stay more at a place of rest aside from my, not that I don't get stressed out. Trust me, I do totally, but physical busyness doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, my soul is going to be at a place of unrest. And for me, Sundays, um, here, you know, we're worshiping with, um, refugees and Greeks and Europeans and just the amazing community to worship together. It's such a refreshing, beautiful time that my soul is so refreshed um, that my soul doesn't feel tired. But, you know, physically, you know, trying to figure out how to do meals when you don't have the conveniences of crockpots and some of the other American conveniences has definitely been a challenge. So I'm trying to figure out how to plan meals that are easy, that don't require a lot of like, yeah, work or busy when I get back from church. Um, yeah, simple things like that. Or just trying to, yeah, keep it simple so that it's not something that I'm spending all afternoon working on. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I like how you said that, that so really living in belovedness and this rest, if we take care of that first, then when the physical business comes, we're living out of our belovedness and not so much the frazzled, frayed, Sunday morning, trying to get everybody off to church and maintaining a sense of some kind of Christianity that we're supposed to have and you know, everything that becomes our Sundays. We still, you know, reality does not have to remove the fact that we're still living in our belovedness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's another question in the chat. Did you want to read that, Linda? Um, you've probably mentioned, but I wasn't maybe paying attention, but a question I have is, can rest include to worship and pray? If you've already touched on that, I'll re-listen to it. Yeah, so um, I did talk about prayer, and for me, you know, worship is, you know, part of spending time with the Lord. And um, But although sometimes just you know, putting on worship music, even while I'm cleaning or physically working, um, is so encouraging. And it, it's once again, another thing that brings your soul into just that, the presence of God and just the joy of being his daughter. So yeah, worship definitely could be part of this. That's beautiful because worship is something that all of us can do. doesn't matter what our stage of life is. I remember years ago when my children were little and just um, needing to intentionally develop the practice of 
in the middle of your day. Like sometimes I think I would do it at, the, at every hour, just, you know, a couple of minutes at the beginning of each hour, just stop, take a minute, look outside, you know, just say a verse to myself, but maybe finding moments of rest and minutes of rest was what my life was then. But I also really do like your emphasis though, that this is something that God did institute. And I don't think it's just supposed to totally just be minutes in our day. There is a reason why he instituted the Sabbath for our good. And since we're made in his image, then we can follow the pattern that he set. Do you want to share with us, Dawn, some of the books that you love? Sure. Um, I wrote a few down as they came to my mind. So I, the lady I quoted, Lynn Babb, she wrote the book Sabbath Keeping, um, a really good book on Sabbath. And Ruth Haley Barton, who I also quoted, she two of the books that I've enjoyed. One is Invitation to Solitude and Silence, and the other one is Sacred Rhythms. Both of those um and, you know, as always, when you're giving book recommendations, you know, um, take the good and spit out the seeds. So I don't necessarily endorse, you know, every single thing in every book. But these have been books that have definitely inspired me. And um, another one, When Less Becomes More by Emily Lay, L-E-Y is her last name. That one is really good about just slowing down and, yeah, when less becomes more. And then I have this one here with me in Greece, actually. Um, Some of these books, I wasn't able to bring my thousand book library with me to Greece. So, Um, but this one is called Solo, Creating Space with God. It's a newer book by Stephen W. Smith, who has... Um, let's hit, he has a podcast called The Potter's, oof, man, now I forget. Something about the, the potter and the soul. I'll have to maybe look it up. But he wrote this, this book, and this one is really, so for those of you who aren't, um, sure if you know, are comfortable with spending a day, he has it like, written out in like, you know, take an hour for lunch and take an hour for, you know, prayer or 30 minutes for prayer. He has it all crafted out and how to do a solo retreat. So it's just a, a little thin book, but this one is a really good one for um, the solo retreat, creating space with God. Those are a few of my recommendations. I'm sure, I'm sure I've read others, but I, these are the ones that came to my mind when I thought about it just off the top of my head. So Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you for those recommendations. There's a few more comments in the chat. Do you want to read them, Linda? Sure. Thank you so much for all you have shared, and you certainly personify calmness and rest. I have heard it described in this way. If you are so busy that you can't fit all your work into your day, what is it you are adding to your list of things to do? Because God will give us his list of what he wants us to achieve in the day, and it will include, for the 24 hours, 24 hours worth of things but includes sleep and rest as well as productive work. And if you can't fit rest enough sleep, then what is it that you are adding to that list that is your work and not his work for you? 
I often wonder what of the many busy things in my day are my work versus what is the work he has planned for me. I find that balance difficult to discern sometimes. And someone else could not unmute herself, which I am sorry. I just remembered I forgot to do that for you all. She said she wanted to thank you, Don, for sharing. It was very good. So that was my problem. As Susan said, thank you, Don, for sharing this important subject. It should be incorporated into our lives throughout the year. If you are just getting started with it, allow yourself to get used to the quietness and invite God into it. I've been taking a solitude time at least three times a year, and it's been a real blessing. Um, someone else shares, thanks for this wonderful talk. My family takes our Sabbath on Saturday, which really fills our tanks for Sundays, which are spent in worship, assembly, and ministry. We try to prepare ahead of time, keep meals simple, and find ways to make cleanup easy on Saturday. We all love our day of rest, especially the children. God is so wise to have implemented it and modeled it for us. And someone else shares, thank you so much, Don, sharing with us what was on your heart. As we're in busy seasons, you gave us fresh reminders of what's important to get back in rhythm and spending time with our Heavenly Father. If you listen closely, that still small voice speaks to you and just be held. Good. I um, looked up the podcast that I was trying to think of that um, the Stephen Smith is the the author of or whatever. It's called Potter's Inn, and the podcast is called Soul Care Conversations. So he talks. They just they uh, yeah. Their topics are all down this line pretty much. And some of them, you know, are excellent and some of them are like, eh, whatever. But it's, I've been very inspired by a lot of the, um, see, or the different discussions on this podcast. Um, with reading all these messages, I feel like I've been talking a lot already, but I felt like I needed to also share that, um, this feels like I'm, I'm so amazed sometimes by God's timing and how like this talk was planned so long ago. And this has been, uh, it's come in a very intense time of life for me and my household. And I feel like it's just a gift. So I just want to thank you for that, for sharing that. I had a comment. Um, Don, thank you so much for that. That was great to listen to that. I was, as you were talking at the end there, I was just thinking this quote I wrote down that I carried in my Bible for quite a few years, I think. It's uh, from the life-changing story of J.O. Fraser, Beyond the Ranges. But the quote is, quite um, Christ the hard worker indeed, but doing no more and no less than God had appointed him, and with no restlessness, no hurry, no worry. Was ever such a peaceful life lived under circumstances so perturbing? The rush and bustle of carnal activity breathes a spirit of restlessness. 
the Holy Spirit breathes a deep calm. Mm. So that really ministered to me. Thank you, Amy. It's really good to see you. And wow, that's a really, um, really good quote. What did you say the book um, was it's called? from Beyond the Ranges, the life-changing story of J.O. Fraser ah. by Geraldine Taylor. Thank you for that. I just want to say thanks a lot, Dawn, for sharing. I felt like you gave so many good practical points um, and how to include that in our lives. And that verse in Zephaniah is, has always been a precious verse to me um, and how to live out of that produces a rest inside when the world around you doesn't feel very restful. <laughs> um, and I think for me, I would be curious how to, I feel like I need wisdom in the, in how to prioritize the urgent of importance over the urgent. Um, I feel like there are so many impromptus that happen in my life mm-hmm. and it's hard to just, say okay nobody can interrupt me or whatever so (laughs) I love the thing of just maybe carving out small moments um that was so neat and I have a window seat in my bedroom that is my special spot and I just always I love to arrange the pillows and feel like I'm being held (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's a precious time so thanks a lot for sharing that's really yeah thank you that's um really sweet i we moved to greece last year it's been almost a year that we're living here but in america i also had a special window seat um and actually to be honest was hard when you make a life change like this you know moving to a completely different place to try to to be intentional to find space it's yeah, like the house and our life here is just not as easy as it was in Pennsylvania. But I still think it's possible, and I'm working on making my little space um, out on my balcony. So, yeah, having a, a space like that really does, I think, help us being able to be intentional and get away. I think another comment came in, Linda. You want to read that comment? Thank you, Ms. Dawn, for this presentation today. I am actually a Sabbath keeper myself, and I want to say your message is an encouragement to keep going and to rest from all my works and distractions. Just as God rested on the seventh day from all his work in Genesis 2, verse 2, It is clear that when I log off from all my works, I get more silence, moments, time with the Lord. So I appreciate you taking the time today to share. It's very encouraging. Um, Also, sorry, I thought Dawn was that... um, that uh, you read it was a bunch of 
I think it was a bunch of verses together when you said you could close your eyes and read that. Do you have that written down or it's obviously not King James, right? Like that was verses. Yeah, I I do have it written down. It was a compilation of quite a few different um, versions from different, you know, different verses, sort of. Some of them were paraphrased, too, from, like, some of the versions are more like a paraphrase. But, yeah, I have it written down. Um, okay. okay. I would, now, I would, sorry. Let me see. Well, I'll see if I can copy and paste it into the... Um, chat or what should I do? I was just going to say, if I could even get your, um, em- or if you, I could give Jamila my email address to give you or somehow sure, I could go through her. And, sure. If you want. I and then I'll, I would love that from you. Sure. Yes. And I also wondered, Don, if you would mind your the PDF that you shared. Hmm. I think there are some that would love that. And so I don't know, maybe we could put it on our website afterward if you sure. don't mind. Yeah. yeah. Talk more about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anyone else who has something that they just would love to share? I know we've just been, yeah, been fed so richly today out of what God has for us and just um, to live in belovedness. And from that place of rest. If no one has anything else, I'd like to thank you, Dawn, once again for what you shared and joining us today and blessing us so richly. You know, in our Anabaptist culture, in the busyness of the lives we live, sometimes it is just so easy to focus on this has to be done and that has to be done and the world needs to be changed and what needs to happen. And that is passions that God lays on our hearts. I myself have just been just reminded again. And I need, I need to sit, I need to go find a quiet place and sit and ask some questions. <laughs> I think I need to just hear from God ask me, so Jamila, what are you doing here? You know, mm-hmm. how do you become the person that everyone looks at and says, you know, you're always so busy and I don't like that. <laughs> and so, and I realize that I have some choices that I need to make mm-hmm. for my own life and whether or not I'm just yielding to the urgent or the important. So thank you. I have been blessed. And I know that so many others have been blessed too. Oh, thank you. It's been, this has been really a treat. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's interesting because we're looking forward next month to Dorcas Showalter sharing with us on intentional growth. And let me share a little bit with you what she says. Often amid, amidst the difficulties in this broken world, we can feel stuck between what is our reality and what we wish our lives would be like. Through many of these times in her own life, Dorcas learned that reflecting deeply on certain intentional questions alongside prayer and journaling, she was able to continually move forward and grow. So this is exciting to me how God works because it looks like our next month's talk is going to just intersect very well with what you shared today. So we'll look forward to next month.
and we hope to see many of you back again. But before we leave our call today, Dawn, I was wondering, would you pray before we end this call? Sure, I would love to. Okay, so let's pray. Thank you, God, that you know us and you created us and you know our weaknesses and our tendencies and you love us so much um, even when we get busy and distracted and I just pray that this talk here would inspire all of us to be intentional about finding um, rest in our souls, in our weeks, to create a rhythm of rest. And I just pray that each one of the sisters here would find their acceptance and their belovedness in you and realize who they are, who you think they are, and be able to live out of that place of deep soul rest. I just pray a special blessing on everyone here, and Lord, we love you. We long to know you more and to be known by you, and I just pray that that would be a reality for each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Goodbye, everyone. God bless you all so richly. Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, 